Production. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Garner for this Tuesday, March 31st, 2015. Good to have you all here for our first of two shows this week. Good to have you all here for our last show of March on the last day of March. And good to have you here for what should be a normal week for our show. It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, since February, really. Um, this week, normal. We're sports tonight, entertainment on Thursday. We don't have to... You know, hopefully this means we'll be off at, you know, more reasonable times and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's it's, it's good. It feels good to be able to just do have be have a normal show week. Um, thankfully, I was able to start the show relatively on time. I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, I had a, a job-related thing that was going on, um, and I had some concerns that I would not be able to start the show on time. Remember last week I was hinting that maybe we'd start at like 8.30 or even 9 o'clock. But thankfully, that did not happen. I was able to get out in enough time to quickly eat and just get the show going. That's why you didn't see my my links for the show up until late. But anyway, we're on time. I guess almost close to when we want to be. So it's all good. All right. So before I get into any more rambling here, let me remind you all the ways that you can interact and contribute for us during our show. You can do so by emailing us at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. As we always ask, please put in the subject line of your email some idea of what your email is about, if it's a topic or breaking news item, if it's a reaction to something one of us said, feedback, anything. Just label it as something so we know what exactly it is. It helps us with organizing things. And remember, that email is the show's as well as my own. You can also follow us and tweet us at itspotlightbg. Again, it's at itspotlightbg. That's my Twitter handle as well as the show's. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag IT Spotlight. Again, it's hashtag IT Spotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. To find us on Facebook, just search for us using the, the full title of our show in the Spotlight with Brian Garner. And then once you find us on Facebook, like our page. It is a fan page. So just like it and then go ahead and post whatever you like to post, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or email. If you post or send something, I assure you, either Jeff Tech or myself will see it. We take turns checking the email box, Facebook, Twitter. We check everything. Don't worry if we don't apply back or use or acknowledge or mention uh, something you post or sent on the show. If we don't do that, any of those things, don't worry. I assure you we have seen, read, or um, looked through whatever it is you sent. We just can't possibly reply back or use, acknowledge, or mention everything that's post or sent in. So just be aware of that. All right, so again, we're back to normal this week, two shows in our normal time slot. There won't be any daytime shows, no Friday shows. We're good to go bearing any unforeseen circumstances, which heaven forbid. So tonight is a sports show. Um, and note that tonight, unlike the previous few Tuesdays, the whole show is not going to be the NCAA tournament. Why? Because we don't have that many games in the NCAA tournament anymore. Once you get beyond that, you know, once you get beyond previewing the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, once you get beyond that, you know, you get that first week, after that first weekend, you got to talk about all the first two rounds, and then you get to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games, you know, it's not, that, it's not that many games. So once you get into past the second weekend, you don't have as much to discuss. So, you know, we have to preview the Final Four, obviously. And obviously there was, there was quite a few games this weekend, but really not nearly as many as the first weekend, obviously. So there's not as much to go through. Therefore, we don't have to dedicate the entire show to the NCAA tournament. We are going to give you a little bit of NCAA tournament, college basketball, and we'll give you a real wrestling type. There's nothing else in sports to really that needs to be covered, nor has there anything else that you've all indicated that we should cover. 
Therefore, we won't talk NBA, NFL, MLB, or anything like that tonight. We'll just do college basketball for our sports content and then jump to some wrestling content by talking about WrestleMania, which took place on Sunday. And it's aftermath. So we'll throw our wrestling fans a bone tonight with the time that we have. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a good thing to do. So if we have the time, give, some, give the wrestling fans who get slighted quite a bit on the show, um, throw them a bone. And that's what we're going to do. And that's tonight. Now, on Thursday, we're back to our normal entertainment show. It's going to be good to do it on a Thursday night, no longer on a Friday after the last couple of weeks. Box office beat, TV picks of the week return, film picks of the week return. And we'll discuss some entertainment news that has, been, that has come out over the past few weeks. Some of the things that we kind of left aside because it didn't have to be discussed right away. Some of the things we put off, we'll get to. Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of topics, a couple of news items, and maybe there'll even be some more news over the next couple of days that we'll discuss. So that all coming at you on Thursday. So sports tonight, entertainment on Thursday. That's this week. Before I make any more announcements, get into anything else, allow me to bring my co-host on the air right now. Mike, you are in the spotlight. So I am totally unmuted right now. You can yes, hear me. You are. Yes. Am I officially in the spotlight with Brian Gardner? Yes, you are. You have been bestowed with that grand honor. Oh, isn't that phenomenal? Oh, yes. I'm sure you've been waiting. (laughs) I have been waiting approximately a minute and a half. Now, the big news for us of the in the spotlight people Mm-hmm. Is that? And I, I imagine you got the text earlier, or else I did. my phone's I did. that good with my phone's that good with text messages. Actually, good. I got. I, actually, I got it right away, which is odd. But yeah, I did get it. Yes, we officially have the in the spotlight official NIT bracket championship trophy. Oh God. It is a prestigious, one-of-a-kind, according to Justin, trophy. <laughs> according to According well, who well, honestly, who else would make a, uh, an NIT trophy? Well, Other than the NIT. The person that <laughs> destroyed us last year decided to do it, but okay. <laughs> well, he destroyed us in both brackets, but I think this makes the NIT bracket more of an event, more prestigious, more epic. Wow, we did something the NCAA couldn't do. We made the NIT exciting. <laughs> yeah, the NIT does not give a, uh, a poopy about it. But we do. We care. We care so much that I don't even know who I have as my champion. Um, but I am going to look it. through those tonight. So We but, picked yeah. it, and Justin got the trophy made. And he is the defending, reigning, undisputed <laughs> NIT bracket champion for 2014. So even though he just got a mate, he has been holding on to that prestigious one-of-a-kind trophy for a year. And I wonder if this is the year, the second year, if Justin will finally get unseated as NIT bracket champion. I wonder. Because to be fair, he's won this thing two years in a row. He has. He has. So I, I think hopefully it's, it's time it's, that he 
is unseated, and then yeah. one of us, right. preferably me, but well, yeah, mostly preferably me, uh, becomes the new NIT bracket champion. And gets to control the content for one of these shows, which would be uh, excellent. Ha, 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 ha. Of course. It is quite the honor. And now that we have a trophy for that honor, um, you threw me all off guard. You really did with that. I can't, I, I'm, I, I am stunned. I am stunned. Anyway, um, it is time to introduce the third member, the third member of our team who did not participate in the NIT challenge and doesn't seem to care about the fact he did not participate in the NIT challenge. Everybody say hi to Jeff Tech. Who, of course, is our technical guru. Is he had a more epic sense of epicness. He, too, would have been involved in the NIT challenge. Alas, he was too busy getting bitten. Bitten by the disgrace of having to go to the Final Four instead of the epicness that is the NIT. In terms being a technical guru in the history of the show. That disgrace just bite it right off. And he, I'm there. glad you brought that up. He is attending the Final Four. Um, and he has told me that he will get, provide some kind of coverage for us. I don't know what. Don't hold your breath. Well, but, if he provides a nice little uh, narrative, an epic poem, again, we might forgive him a few things. Of course. Uh, by the way, you might have noticed like 10 seconds ago I was really distracted before I introduced Jeff Tech. Like I was like, oh, I was stunned by the NIT thing and everything. I got trailed off because I received an email from the film elitist. Um, <laughs> so I, I apologize if if I kind of went off subject and I kind of trailed off there, like I didn't know what was going on. I kind of went quiet and stuff. I was trying to read it. That, 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 see, that's the danger when you don't have enough people staffing a show, because okay, Jeff Tick sends me sometimes send me the emails, but if I happen to see him first. And then, you know, Mike is talking about something, and then and then he stops, and then he's expecting me to say something, but I'm already reading something. It, it, that's the danger, because we don't have enough people to staff this. But um, I was reading through it, and that's why I was kind of – I was trying to do two things at once, and that's why I kind of trailed off. So I apologize for that a couple seconds ago or a minute ago, whatever, how long it was. But apparently the film elite is, is very upset with us because we have not honored his film challenge from about a month ago. Which, hey, look, we've had a lot to do. We've had brackets and all this other stuff, okay? We'll get to the film elitist's film challenge. We'll probably talk more about that on Thursday. Um, basically, he had challenged us to watch some films that, some films that, you know, we, you know, either have critically, have been very critical of, or some films that we usually wouldn't have watched. And vice versa, he would do the same thing. Basically, that means he's going to be watching movies people actually went and saw. <laughs> and we're going to be watching movies that were nominated at the Oscars and nobody cared. Which, you know, for us is kind of torture at times. Um, 
actually more than that times. But anyway, no disrespect, Matt. Just the way it is. Anyway, um, we will talk more about that. Cause I just got this, and I want to be able to, you know. But we will honor his challenge. Um, we will honor his challenge. You know, last time we did something like this, he ended up having to watch the room. And we ended up watching, what was it? We watched three movies. It was One of them was Lincoln. The other one was um, Life of Pi. What was the third one? Richard Parker. What was the third one, Mike? Oh, was it Silver Richard Lining? Richard Parker. Silver Lining's Playbook. It was, yeah, it was Silver Lining's Playbook. Playbook, right. Brian so Richard Parker. Richard Parker. Do you, know, um, do, you know what I call, do you know what I call Life of Pi? What? A crappier version of Calvin and Hobbes. That's actually a it's pretty true. good description. That is a pretty good description, Mike. <laughs> it, 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 if Life of Pi wanted to be good, it would have just been Calvin and Hobbes. It's very true. You know... Uh, uh, remember when, when you know, in, in the, the previous Spider-Man franchise, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films, you know... Peter Parker's father was named Richard Parker, so every time Richard Parker appeared on screen, people would yell, Richard Parker! Richard Parker! <laughs> that, was kind of, that was kind of the running gag. But um, anyway, um, we will honor the film elitists' request. Don't worry. We'll get to you, film elitists. It's been a busy month. Um, it, so it, it has been a busy month. It's about to get busier, so you can hold your balls there, boy. Wait, what were we supposed to do again? And it, it, it's just us watching movies, like a select few movies that we have, you know, the kind of movies that we claim shouldn't be awarded at the Oscars just because of what they are. And he's going to watch blockbuster movies instead, you know, movies that are have made money, you know, that whole thing. That's uh, all. Yeah, what are we supposed to watch again? He hasn't suggested anything. I, I guess he, I guess he's going to. He was supposed to send us a list of films that would meet his criteria, and then we will send him a list of films that meet our criteria. I think that's supposed to be the exchange. So and then we pick, like, maybe two or three off that list. So if he hasn't sent us a list, how can, how can we do it? Exactly. I think he's mad because I haven't, like, come on the air and reminded people of it. We did it that first night of the Film Awards. I mentioned the challenge, and then I never brought it up again. So, so I think here is he's your, upset about so, here is your reminder, Elitist, if you wish us <laughs> to watch one of these drawn-out, boring-ass, uh, and I, I just took a nap, so I don't even care. It wasn't really a nap. I just closed my eyes for a while. If you want us to watch one of these drawn-out, boring-ass, small-budget, took five years and $20 in a shoestring budget to make, then send us your damn list exactly. so we know what to Exactly. Exactly. And and once that happens, we will give you a list of options. One of which will not, of course, be Transformers: Age of Excretion. We won't put Um, that. We won't put anybody through that. (laughs) Because we are, in fact, compassionate people. I can promise you, it'll probably include Guardians of the Galaxy, though. Oh God, yes, because that movie was great. I can it might it, it might also include X Men Days of Future Past and sure. Captain America the Winter Soldier. Sure, no, definitely, definitely. Um, it might it might even include American Sniper, which is a movie I have not seen, nor will see, but it was actually funny. seen. Yeah. Um. It was a blockbuster. 
Yeah. Oh, it was. Um, all right, so we will we will deal with that film elitist, don't worry. And, again, I apologize for kind of trailing off. I was just shocked that we finally got a commuter, uh, an email from him. It's been a while. So that's what kind of made me go off a little bit with the dead air and not talk for a little bit. So apologies for that. Um, all right. I don't really have any other announcements. I already told you all what's going on, on this week. Next week is going to be pretty much a normal week. A lot of people will ask, well, wait a minute, Brian, your birthday is coming up next Friday. Oh, thank you, I know. Um, um, are we going to do anything special? We'll do something next Thursday. I'm not teasing what it is yet. I've I've come up with a few ideas. We're going to have some fun, I think. Uh, does that mean the return? Does that mean we're going to get the Brian 29? No, it does not mean you're going to get the Brian 29. We're not doing that again, okay? Don't worry. But we're going to do something. We'll do something. People want me to do some kind of massive ego trip because they claim that that's entertaining. I always do. Every one of my shows is a massive ego trip. I don't have. That's not anything special. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll we'll do something, but I'll, I'll announce that more maybe on Thursday or at the. It's not something I'm going to build up as this grand event. This is going to be something we kind of do. So, you know, don't be surprised if it's a last minute announcement on Tuesday of next week. That's something I th- I feel compelled to announce two weeks in advance because it's some big event. Right, it's not the film awards or anything, okay? You know, uh, maybe I'll by Thursday, maybe I maybe I will have decided what it's going to be. If not by Thursday, it'll be Tuesday. I'll make the decision. Either way, I'll announce it before the show. So, but we'll do something next Thursday in regards to it. What it is, we'll see. But I know people have been asking me about that. So, um, another thing people have been asking me about was because I've been teasing it, and we always do it around the Final Four time. It's the NC, uh, a special NCAA show. Um, and I've, I promise that we will do one. We will do one. I do not have a date on that yet. Why? Because I'm also trying to schedule um, – I'm also trying to see when we're going to do an MLB kind of preview. Now, we don't do preview shows exclusively for any sports anymore. We kind of just do a segment previewing – what's going to happen for that particular sport. Like, we used to do preview shows for football and for NBA and for college basketball. We don't do that anymore because I found out that, like, it, 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 it's, you drag it on longer than it needs to. All you really need to do is maybe devote, like, a good part of a show to that particular sport, and people are happy. So you don't need to overindulge. Um, so we're not, going to do, we're, we're not going to do that for baseball. We're not going to dedicate a whole entire show to baseball, we didn't do it for football. We're definitely not going to do it for baseball. So we will be doing uh, – MLB season opens this coming Sunday. So we'll probably do something next week, maybe next Tuesday show, I'm not sure, um, or we'll wait a week. Sometimes I, I, I've always said this. I don't mind waiting a week into the season or even a couple weeks into the season to kind of preview a particular sport because sometimes, sometimes you want to see – a couple of weeks to get a sense of each team and what's going on. That's not a bad thing. This is a sport that has a long season like baseball. So, you know, if we, don't, if we don't get to it in the first week or two, don't freak out, okay? It's actually a good thing because we got more to draw off of than if we just went into it and just said, okay, based on what they did in spring training, which to me is, is bogus because spring training, not everybody plays. You don't play nine. In, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, we will definitely do an MLB preview feature in the next couple of weeks, and that will in large part determine when we do the NCAA show. The NCAA show will be done this month. It will be done this month. That I can assure you. 
And when we do it, we'll discuss all the issues pertinent to the NCAA. We'll do a lot of talk about Syracuse. We, we talked about it a little bit. We will, do, we will go more in-depth about it. And we'll talk about some of the upcoming investigations of, like, North Carolina, SMU. You know, we'll talk about a lot of these past cases and bring them up. There's a lot of things. And then there's other issues that, you know, have been pervading over the last couple of years that we'll discuss and see where we're at on, like, the whole – paying players to play thing, which is always a big subject of discussion, you know. There's a lot of issues, and they always come up, especially around the Final Four, if they haven't already come up. So this weekend at the Final Four, you'll hear these issues come up again. You'll probably see a lot of broadcasters, analysts, et cetera, et cetera, talking about them. And that's why we do these NCAA, this special NCAA show usually around this time of year because these issues get brought into the spotlight again. People ask questions, and it makes sense to kind of do a show in you know, kind of talk about them. So, and we will do that. We've been wanting to do more with the Syracuse story in particular, and we will. So we'll do a lot with that um, on that particular show. And, again, that will be sometime this month. And, you know, waiting to after the Final Four is not the worst thing in the world because, like I said, during this weekend you'll be getting a lot of news stories. Even though, even if there's nothing really particularly happening, it gets discussed. And then people do these feature stories where they – talk to an analyst or they talk to a player or a coach or something and when you get all these people together it's like nba all-star weekend when you get all these people together and they start talking trades when you get all these people together from the ncaa they start talking about things that have happened things that might happen and that's why these things get brought up and that's why sometimes you'll get media covering i mean nothing has to happen for them to cover it they just make a feature oh during the Final Four, this issue was uh, brought back up, and then it gets a feature. So that's why we like to do it this time of year, because those things get brought back up. So we'll be doing, definitely doing an NCAA show at some point in the next few weeks. All right, so that's all the announcements I got. I talked about we'll be doing an MLB preview. We'll do an NCAA show. I talked to you all about what's going on this week. The birth, My birthday, we'll do something next week, some kind of segment or something. And so I think I addressed everything that people have been asking me about over the last couple of weeks that I've kind of put off because of time. Now let's get down to what we're doing tonight. We're going to start with college basketball. We're going to start with the NCAA tournament. And look, if you've been following my Twitter and my Facebook, you know I've been – well, not Facebook more so, but Twitter. More so Twitter because that's where I've been posting my instant reactions to a lot of these games. You know how I feel about a lot of this already. But if you haven't, then you don't know anything. Um, that's why you should follow me on Twitter, because you might get some stuff that you don't usually get on the show. I've always said this. The tournament can be a weird thing. It has these peaks and these valleys. Once in a while, very rare, maybe once every five or six years, you get a tournament that is dramatic, compelling, close games every day you know, or the number of close games every day, and it maintains this, this great feel throughout, this epic cliffhanger-ish feel, tension throughout the entire tournament over the three weekends. We had that the year when VCU and Butler went as far as they did, you know, and even the following year when Butler made his first run, I mean, Butler made his run, you know, we've had that, okay? We've had that. George Mason's year, when they got to the Final Four, we've had that. You know, and it usually isn't those, and those tournaments are usually about the Cinderella, and that's why you have that compelling nature throughout, because you have at least one team there 
that shocks everybody. And it's not a team from a power conference. It's a team that nobody had, okay? It's a team that nobody thought of. You know, they either get to the Elite Eight or they get to the Final Four. In some cases, they get to the championship game, as was the case with Butler. And in those tournaments, those tournaments are very rare, those tournaments keep your interest throughout because usually you have brackets, you know, brackets blow up left and right. And that makes for a compelling tournament. You know, when you look at the Final Four and you see a 4 and then an 8 and then an 11 and then a 10, you know, those are fun tournaments. And those are often the ones with the close games, the overtime games, and, you know, the, I mean, obviously the Cinderella's and all that stuff. And those are the ones that stay interesting throughout every day is, is just a blast. And then there's your normal tournament where you have a couple of buzzer beaters, you have some good periods, some good days, and then you have some bad days, and then you have some ugly days. And then you have, and you look up and you look at the Final Four, you look at the Elite Eight, and there's teams there, nothing really surprises you. There might be one team that kind of did. And, you know, and that's kind of this year. That's kind of this year. And this is, this is like a normal year. You know, there, was enough, there has been enough compelling games. There has been, I will say this much. As a whole, this tournament this year, to me, this year, has had a higher quality of play than last year or the year before. Now, there might have been more um, Cinderella stories last year. Okay, there were, you know, bigger, higher seeds advancing, uh, as in teams, uh, not from power conferences, but, you know, like Norfolk State last year, a couple years ago, Florida Gulf Coast. The last couple years had more of that, those kind of teams getting into the second weekend, making some noise. This year there isn't that. We had Georgia State early on. They got taken out of the sec- before the second weekend hit. You know, you had um, – UAB, to me, wasn't that big of a story, even though Iowa State losing cost a lot of people their brackets. That wasn't that big of a story. UAB has done well in the tournament before. Um, you know, NC State, okay, great story, but they got taken out in their next game. I mean, and, and, and again, that's an ACC team that in many people's eyes was better than the seed that they had. Michigan State, no, that's not a true story. That's Tom Izzo, for crying out loud. That's it's great, but people saw some people saw that coming. Michigan State or Louisville being where, as far as they were, that's not a big surprise, you know. I mean, so that so see, this is what I'm saying. You know, if you look at this tournament, the first four was fantastic, but I don't even count that. No disrespect, man, I just don't. The first day, great. Un- unbelievably great from start to finish. Even some games that nobody thought would be close were close. Second day, a little bland. You had a lot of close games, but most of the higher, actually, I think all the higher seeds advanced for the most part. Third day, great games. You had some upsets. Villanova went down. You had um, upsets across. You had a couple upsets that day. And then, the, and then that Sunday, you had, it was okay. Great games. You had an upset or two. All right, so okay first weekend. And then you get to this weekend. You get to the Sweet 16. We talked about this last week, how these games, even though you did not have the Cinderella's anymore, and, and anybody that was thinking UCLA was a Cinderella, come on now. All right, for, I, I don't care if, they sh- if, if, if you had this feeling that they should have been in the tournament or not, or if they should have lost their first game in the tournament. I don't care. That's not a Cinderella story, okay? The UCLA. Give me a break. Okay, no way, shape, or form is UCLA ever a Cinderella story. 
And even if they were, they got taken out early anyway. So, um, we came into this weekend with no Cinderella's. It was very much a weekend of uh, the old guard in a lot of ways, like Kentucky and Wisconsin and North Carolina and Arizona and Louisville and NC State and Oklahoma, Michigan State, Duke. Um, and then you got teams like Gonzaga, who in the last couple of years have under underachieved and finally made it. You had Utah, who had a breakthrough year this year. Oklahoma, as I said, was in here, but they were—I mean—they haven't been here in a while. Xavier, who for a few years was a dominant force, back in the mix. Wichita State, back in the mix after losing the second round last year. You know, Notre Dame and Butler. I mean, you had some really Notre Dame, Wichita State. I mean, West Virginia back. You had some really—you had some teams back, but there was nothing here that was earth-shattering. Nothing here that was like, oh my God, this team's never been here. Oh my God, this team has been here since 1962. You know, there was none of that. It was a lot of recognizable teams, all teams from power conferences, um, except for Gonzaga. And it was, it was again, a lot of powerhouses. And then some teams like West Virginia and Notre Dame and um, Xavier and, uh, you know, like I said, Gonzaga. And you said they haven't been back here for a couple years or so. It made for an intriguing final, uh, intriguing Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight. It made there was a lot of good potential games. We went into this week, this 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 second weekend, talking about how there was some really good potential matchups, really good potential matchups. Um, some of them lived up to the hype. Notre Dame, Wichita State lived up to the hype. That was a great game. It's a great game where Notre Dame just outplayed Wichita State. They all played him flat out. And, you know, they hit shots, and Pat Connington was fantastic in that game. And they did the, they did what they had to do, and they advanced. I hyped up Kentucky, West Virginia. West Virginia made me look like a fool. And let me just say this, folks, okay? If you watched that game, that was not West Virginia. That was not West Virginia. I'm sure Bob Huggins, that player, I forget his name, for opening his mouth the day before, you don't poke a tiger. You don't poke a tiger. First of all, West Virginia isn't good enough to say that, to, to, for that player to say what he said, oh, we appreciate the fact they're 36 and oh, they're going to be 36. No, you don't say that stuff. You have to be smart. That's being stupid. You don't give a team that good an edge when they already, another edge when they already have a substantial one over you. You don't do that. Bob Huggins knew it. That kid, that kid knew it after the game. West Virginia on pa- on paper. If you look at that team on paper, and you look at that final score, it matches up. Yes, but if you watch West Virginia this year, and I watched a lot of West Virginia, and you watched them in their game against Maryland, you can understand why I felt like they had a chance in that game. What did Kentucky do? I never in a million years thought I would say this. And Mike knows what I'm about to say. John Calipari outcoached Bob Huggins. That's what happened. He, you know, it seems it's a fundamental principle that many coaches believe in, that, you know, any coach, Walter Salt will tell you, 
But when you play a pressing team, and a team like West Virginia, who very much like Louisville a few years ago likes to press the entire game, this is that West Virginia team that likes to do that now. That's what they've been doing all season. Adopted what Louisville did a couple years ago, which is the whole, the full court press the entire game. When you have a team like that, you press them. You do to them what they do to everybody else. And what does it do? It takes them out of their own. That's why a lot, what, what a lot of teams do to Syracuse. They play zone against them, and Syracuse looks like a, doesn't know what they're doing. It takes them out of their element. You're playing mind games with them. You're screwing with them. They don't like that. And that's what they did. And they, they turned the ball over on West Virginia, and Kentucky got out to a lead, and they never looked back. They rattled them. And Kentucky made shots out of the gate. Kentucky, look, I, look they're, they're, they are the, the most talented team in the country. They're the best team in the country. But they are more of a defensive team. There are games this year where they have not scored efficiently. That is a, a, a weakness of theirs. That is a true weakness of theirs. And a lot of, a lot of the times it's because he's substituting guys in and out and it, it takes a while for them all to get going. That's okay. But in this game, they fired on all cylinders from, from, the, from the beginning to the end. They made shots right out of the gate. Before they even started missing shots at a, a good enough clip, they were already up by, up by 20, and that was it. And West Virginia is not a good enough offensive team to get into that big of a hole and come back. They're just not. And so much of West Virginia's offense, I'd say about maybe 40 to, 40 to 45% of it, is about turning you over. If they don't turn you over at least 10 times, then they're not going to score. That's so much of their offense. And they have great talent on that team, but they are nowhere, but they can't rely on that against a team like Kentucky. They have to turn you over. And the thing is, they were never going to get 20, turn, 20 turnovers on Kentucky like they, like they probably thought they could. All right, they did that to Maryland, and that, look, part of the reason was their point guard was on the bench for the last eight minutes of the game, sadly. Kentucky is not going to beat themselves. They have shown that this year. They have yet to, even in the close games they had when they went into overtime this year, they didn't beat themselves. They just had bad shooting games. But they worked around and they fought back defensively, and that's what got them into overtime and they eventually got the win. They don't rattle. They don't screw up. They don't, they, nothing, nothing flusters that team. Nothing. They've had ample opportunities to have that happen, and it has not. So you can't rely on that. You can't. You can't. You have to find a way to get it done. And West Virginia didn't even come close. They made me look like a fool. So Kentucky easily advances there. Wisconsin, North Carolina, great game, back and forth, everything you could have thought, just like the Arkansas-Carolina game. Great game. Wisconsin has made two, one or two more shots. That's it. I have to give North Carolina credit at the end of the year. They played their best basketball. They, they had a great chance to win that game. I thought they matched up well with Wisconsin. I thought that would be a scare for Wisconsin, and it was. They, North Carolina did a great job in that game, and Wisconsin survived. That was a great basketball game, great quality of play back and forth. Xavier, Arizona, obviously there's an interesting, compelling story there. Sean Miller used to coach for Xavier. Gritty physical game and Arizona. I'll tell you, if you didn't see Arizona all year, you might have thought, oh, they're just like the Arizona team the last few years. They got some NBA lottery picks on that team and that, but 
you know, yeah, yeah, same team. This team plays better as a unit. This team plays better defensively, and they showed it in this game. Xavier's a very physical team. Year in and year out, that team's very physical. Arizona went right back at them. They grinded it out. They went right back at them. They weren't intimidated. They showed a lot of guts in that game, and they made it, and they were able to survive. And that's why they were able to survive, because this Arizona team this year was a more gr- gritty team. They weren't a, as much of a selfish team. Yeah, they have pros on the team. They have a lot of experience back, too, and don't diminish that. A lot of their players came back. That was key. That was key. And that's why I think they, they were able to sustain through that game. Uh, NC State, Louisville, look, Louisville, that could have been a great game. The problem is Louisville got – NC State blew Louisville out in their previous regular season matchup. They don't like that. You, even though Louisville, this is not one of Rick, this was not one of Rick Pitino's better Louisville teams. Now obviously went through some turmoil and stuff. They're still Louisville, and they do not like that. And they make adjustments still better than a lot of teams in college basketball. They made the necessary adjustments, and they just took NC State right out of the game early. Defensively, Louisville put on a clinic in that game, and that is their strength this year: is defense. Defense offensively, they do struggle to make shots a lot of the time. And they can keep you in the in the 50s or low 60s. They got you. They did that to NC State, and they got them. And it wasn't much. It wasn't much of a game to be uh, to be honest. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma really impressed me. Oklahoma was not a team that got a, a, a lot of hype this year, and with good reason. They never really impressed you if you watched them. They never did. Um, you were more probably more impressed by Oklahoma State or Baylor or a lot of other teams in the Big 12, but not not Oklahoma. They kind of were just there, but they had a really good year, and they, you know, in this tournament, they kind of earned, they kind of earned my respect. They were pretty. They had three good performances in that game against Michigan State. They had Michigan State down, and when we when you went to the halftime in that game, even though it's been well docked, if you watch, if you've watched Michigan State over the last month and a half where they play their best basketball, where they've kind of gone on this surge and kind of come together as a team after struggling in the early part of the season, you know that they've been more a second-half team. So you knew that they'd put up a run. But there was a point in that halftime where I thought maybe Oklahoma could do this. They were playing a great game. And then Michigan State just upped the defense, got some turnovers, and I think they, I do think they rattled Oklahoma because I do think Oklahoma got – I mean, it's easy to get overconfident, especially when you're a team that feels like you didn't maybe have not gotten as much respect as you probably feel like you should have for your performance. And then you feel like, okay, we're opening up some eyes. Okay, we're doing great. We got them down. You know, you kind of buy into – you kind of do get overconfident. Like, okay, we got this great team that everybody was picking, even though there were seven seed and we were three – Everybody was picking them over us. We got them down. I do think they bought into it a little too much, and and then they got rattled. They kind of and they just never recovered. And Izzo is a great. Izzo is one of the best coaches in college basketball. He makes great adjustments on the fly and at halftime. He did that defensively. They upped their game, and they just made enough big plays, and they won a, a close one in that game. And uh, UCLA Gonzaga. That was just a that was the clinic. Gonzaga showed why because UCLA was out of their league in that game. No disrespect to UCLA unoffered, but they're out of their league in that game. They got lucky. They got a good draw. They got out of the SMU game 
We all know what happened there. And UAB, they got a good draw against Gonzaga. Clearly superior. No, no, there was never any doubt in that game. Duke, Utah, it's such a weird feeling. But see, then again, I was I was hyping the Kentucky-West Virginia game. And nobody else was. Well, not many, not as many people were. Everybody was hyping this Duke-Utah game. And what gets me is, when, I, when, when people, anybody, anybody I talked to that was hyping this Duke-Utah game, and, 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 and keep in mind, this is mostly people that I talk to on message boards and stuff, okay? I asked them, I said, have you watched Utah this year? They said, no. I said, no, how can you hype it? I, I watched three Utah games this year, and I followed, I followed them. Cause I, I like Utah. I had them in my tourney 10 a lot this year. I like Utah. They were very much a grinded-out team. You know, they remind me a lot of like the, a lot of the old-school Big East teams. You know, they're not going to overwhelm you on offense. They're going to score in the upper 50s, low 60s at max. But they play really good defense. They like to grind it out. They're a slow-tempo team. And I, said, and, and, and I said, that's who they are. And the problem is, even when you slow Duke down, here's the thing. They got three guys in the half-court offense that, if you slow it down, are go-to guys. Three. That's not going to work. Even if you hold Duke in the 60s, I don't think that's enough. I just don't. They don't have the talent level to compete with that. Even getting Okafor in foul trouble, which they did in that game, didn't matter. Because you you couldn't stop Quinn Cook going to the basket. And you couldn't stop Justice Winslow going to the basket. And that was the problem. And that's why I could not buy into Utah. Utah, unfortunately, has got a bad draw. I tell you, if Utah was going up against, uh, like, uh, if you, uh, you see, see, it doesn't matter of any of the one seeds. Utah wouldn't match up with any of them. And I like Utah, but you know they just weren't a good matchup for them. Duke just had too much, so Duke got out of that game. Um, it wasn't pretty, but they did. Setting up some great Elite Eight games, great Elite Eight games. You know the Sweet Sixteen might have not been much. I mean, you had the Wisconsin North Carolina game, which was great, and the Wisconsin State Notre Dame game, which was great. But other than that, these most of them games were blowouts or just not even close competitive games at all. They still had a high quality of play for the most part, but they weren't good games. Elite Eight, every single game, but the last one between Duke and Gonzaga, which surprised me because I thought it would be closer than it ended up being, um, was close. Every game was close. Wisconsin-Arizona was just as good as last year. Wisconsin, I, I honestly think Arizona, when you play a team that you played last year in the same round, only with the seeds reversed, when you play a team like that, and you know Arizona, Arizona was out in front a couple of times. Wisconsin's out in front. You know, you feel like there's times when you had them, and they keep coming back on you and coming back on you and coming back on you. And then you look up with four minutes left, and they still got the lead. And you've been, you know, every time they punched you back and got out in front, you've come back. Eventually, you know, and you still look up, and it's four minutes left, and you're and you're down after how many times you've kind of fought the battle in that game and you're still down, it does get demoralizing. I think Arizona got demoralized. I honestly think they're like, okay, we had the lead, a decent lead at one point. We let them come back. We fought back. They fought back. We fought back. They fought back. You only have so much. 
Wisconsin's the better team. They've been the better team this year. That's just the bottom line. And I think Arizona. I think Arizona didn't have enough to combat that at, at, in the end. And any willpower that they had, I think they just were spent. I think they just were spent. They put on a heck of a performance. They gave it their all. They left it all out there. McConnell, who's a great college basketball player, he never got the notoriety because the Arizona and West Coast games, all that stuff. He's a great guard, great point guard. He was a great player for that university. They gave it their all. They left it all on the court. Wisconsin, just at the end, you know, they made some crazy shots. The one by Sam Decker in the corner, which was just a dagger. They just had too much, and I think they fought back too many times in that game, and they just didn't have anything left. And so Wisconsin moved on. Kentucky-Notre Dame was a classic, a classic basketball game. I I have never, in, 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 in the years I've watched Mike Bray's Notre Dame teams, have I ever, ever been that impressed with a Notre Dame basketball team. They they gave it, you know, they often got a lot of flack from us um, over the years for, you know, low, slow tempo, spamming the three, all that stuff. They did not do that this year. They played a great, you know, I think a lot of people still felt they did at times, and they did rely on that sometimes. They played a great basketball game. Notre Dame should have won that game. And basically the only reason they did not win that game, this is the first time I can say this about a Kentucky basketball game this year, Kentucky should have lost that basketball game. And not because of anything that they in particular did. They played a great game. Notre Dame just played better. And that's what you have to do. Kentucky's going to play great every time out. You just have to play better. Notre Dame played better, except for on the final three possessions. Well, throughout the last possession, because they only had a few seconds left, they just had to toss the ball up. But the two possessions before that, where Jerry and Grant did nothing with the basketball, there was no offensive flow, nobody's moving. Grant's just standing there, not doing anything. Now, look, is that the co- you can say, well, that's the coach. The coach should have did something. Great, the coach should have did something. But you want to know something? The players could have done something, too. Nobody's moving. Nobody's standing around. You're not running an ISO. Don't tell me you're running an ISO play on, your final two, on two of your final three possessions. Something's got to be moving. You have to have, a couple, you have to have a screen somewhere. You're trying to get to the basket. Nobody looked like they knew what they were doing. Mike Bray was calling things out. So somebody, he was doing something. Either the players weren't getting the message or they were getting the message and they, they, they weren't choosing to ignore it. But there was nothing on them final two, two of them final three offensive sets, nothing. And that's why they lost. Grant had to take a shot, shot clock violation, took a shot at the end of the shot clock, and then the, and then the, the, the second from last possession gets a horrible shot because he just held the ball. And I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. And that's why they lost. They got nothing on two of the final three possessions. The last possession, again, a few seconds left, I won't count that one. But the two before that, they got nothing. And then you put Kentucky at the line, they make their free throws, and, and away you go, and that's it. And that's what cost the game. Notre Dame lost that game. They had it. And it's unfortunate because they put on the performance. The, they, had a, they had their A game, and they did. They even surpassed my expectations. And it just didn't happen. They, them final, them, the two possessions prior to the final one were what did it. But Kentucky moves on. Louisville-Michigan State, great game. Michigan State again had a comeback, again had a second-half surge. Louisville 
really overachieved on offense in the first half, more so than they have an entire year. Because, again, they're struggling on offense this year, making shots. First half, they, they surprised everybody with how good they were on offense. And you knew they had to come back down earth. So that helped Michigan State. But Michigan State, as, as, as usual, second half, momentum, up the defense. Away you go. They make plays. They make big shots. And that's uh, Trice and Valentine. They made their, the plays they had to make, and they were able to grind it out and get a win. And Louisville overachieved this year. Louisville getting to the Elite Eight was an overachievement. They were not that good this year. They just weren't. Michigan State always had this potential. You know, they had a bad first half of the year. That happens to a lot of Michigan State teams now. He plays a tough schedule. But it's never a surprise to see them get as far as they have. He's a great head he's a great coach and they deserved it. They played a hell of a game. They made the and they make the plays when it counts. In the second half, it's when it counts. And they close out the games and that's what's important. So they move on and then Duke and Zaga of all the Elite Eight games, the least competitive, surprisingly. Um the score was in no way indicative of that game. Duke just it was a knockout punch. Gonzaga did nothing on the interior at all. They were taking too many jump shots offensively. They didn't even try to, to try to dominate in the paint. Um, when they did do it, they, they did get some. They got quite a few calls on on Plumlee and Okafor, which I you know, for all the talk about Duke and the referees, they got calls down there whenever they went down there. So I don't know why they didn't go in the paint. They just ignored it. And, that, and that's really why Gonzaga got down early and why they lost the game. They just became too perimeter-oriented. It, it just boggled my mind because early on they're getting the ball. That's the bonus down there, and they just kept giving the ball down there to him. They were having a – to their post players, they were having a field day in there for a little bit, and they got away from it. And they were getting everything they wanted down there. Okafor, you know, getting foul trouble, Plumlee. I mean, they could have got them in, in foul trouble. And they – they just ignored it, and I don't understand that. And that's a big reason why they lost. And then, you know, taking, make, try, taking too many jump shots, when them jump shots don't go in the rim, go in the, the basket, you're not going to win. So you're not, you're not trying to get Duke into foul trouble, and you're not making shots. Where are you going? But Duke moves on, and now we have ourselves a great, a very – traditional Final Four of Kentucky, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Duke. We'll preview that in a moment. I've talked long enough. I'm sure Mike would agree. So I'm going to let Mike get his thoughts on um, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Mike? Yes, we can agree. You've talked long enough. Sweet (laughs) Jesus. Stop rambling. God. Ugh. Okay, in the interest of not rambling, in the interest of sweet, sweet, precious time, I'm going to make this very quick. UCLA shouldn't have been the 316 anyway. I wish Gonzaga did a little bit better. Uh, They didn't. I called Utah versus Duke being good, not you. Uh, and surprise, surprise, they were. It was. And surprise, surprise, the referee sided on the uh, sided with Duke. Shocker, right? No, not really. 
Uh, Michigan State beats Oklahoma, goes to the Final Four because Louisville's look. Louisville was top five or top ten most of the year. Syracuse would have gotten in on the back of that Louisville win. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Louisville, I like Louisville. I'm glad that Louisville didn't win. I like his a little bit better. Uh, so I'm glad that our, our the chalk kind of died in in the Syracuse bracket. So we have one, 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 and then seven, which is hilarious, but true. Uh, Gonzaga kind of came out and laid an egg, but not like the egg that West Virginia came out and squatted. <clears throat> um, sweet Jesus, what if? You know what? Here's the thing about West Virginia. Ignoring the fact that the kid ran his mouth. And it's basketball. People do that. When your team has issues scoring and has had issues scoring for years, you're you're overmatched. West Virginia was simply overmatched. Yes, they turned the ball over a lot. Yes, they have great defense. And, yes, they might be able to put up 50 points. But you're going up against the juggernaut who who normally puts up 90. So, on one hand, I'm very happy that um, West Virginia kept them to um, under 80. But, (laughs) on the other hand... They still kicked your ass by 39. So, congratulations, you made the Sweet 16. Congratulations, that's the farthest you've made it, made it in years. And congratulations, you just got the biggest ass-kicking a five-seed has ever gotten in the history of the tournament because you guys can't score. <laughs> and you were going against a team who is better than you in every respect and can score. Maryland would have put up a better game. I can't say very much about it because Maryland lost to West Virginia. Hmm. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Yeah. (laughs) Wisconsin beating Arizona is no surprise. Uh, Notre Dame, they had that game. They had that game. What won that game for Kentucky? Free throws. Who gave them the free throws? The referees. Point of fact, the refereeing for this entire tournament has been god-awful. God-awful. If I'm Notre Dame, I want the NCAA to review those referees in their game because that was a BS call. The BS call at the end of the game. The referees essentially handed the game to Kentucky. And unlike other Calipari teams, this one usually makes the free throws. Um, so, and if I'm if I'm the coaches, if I'm if I'm a, uh, the administration or coaches at Utah, I want those Duke referees examined too, <laughs> because those referees love handing games to Duke. Love it. Um, but that that's all I'm really going to say. Uh, Chalk City all the way. Not surprised. 
very disappointed. But, hey, Kentucky-Wisconsin, I think, will be an awesome game. I don't care about Michigan State-Duke. I don't. Because, it, it, honestly, Wisconsin is the last shot for Kentucky to lose in this tournament. Because I think they can run Michigan State or Duke right out of the or out of the Indianapolis. And I was about to, I was about to yeah. make a political statement, and I'm not going yeah. to because everybody knows that law is BS anyway. <laughs> it makes your state look dumb. Sorry, Jeff Tech, it does. Um, time to get out of the 1940s. Indiana. Indiana. Mm. I digress. I think if Kentucky's going to lose, Wisconsin is it. And I think the winner comes out of that game, Kentucky-Wisconsin. And for Bo Ryan's sake, I hope it's him because he deserves it after all this time. But, look, Michigan State-Duke, thanks for coming. That's all. That's all that game is. Consolation. So, there you go. Those are my thoughts, and I wrap it up within six or seven minutes. So, uh, Brian, might I suggest that you uh, suck it wrong and suck it hard? <laughs> well, let me let me just say this. And now that we've talked about what has happened, we'll talk about, and you already did to an extent, talk about what's going to happen this weekend in the Final Four in Indianapolis, where our own Jeff Tech will be um, attending the Final Four. Obviously, this weekend, in, in my opinion, the game, any game featuring Kentucky is the game. Duke-Michigan State's rematch of a game that happened earlier this year. Duke's going to win that game. Right, no disrespect to Michigan State or Tom Izzo. Duke's going to win that game. It's just, they, they, there's, there's just too many mismatches there. Uh, a lot would have to go right, and it's not going to happen there. So we're going to have probably Duke in the title game, in my opinion. Now, Kentucky-Wisconsin has all the making, and this is why it's been hyped since the matchup was confirmed on Saturday, has all the makings of not only a classic, not only the best game of this season, the best game of this tournament, but one of the best games in the history of college basketball. Because you got the story, the perfect season. You've had perfect seasons before, but 40-0, and we have not had because they haven't played this many games. You have this... How high Kentucky's been all year compared to everybody else, and how they've demonstrated to the Notre Dame game how they've been dominant. And they had a couple of overtime games, but you know, you never thought they were in doubt of losing them games. Last time, last weekend with Notre Dame was the first time you felt the result was in doubt. Now they're playing a team that's being respected enough that people are saying, "This is it. This is the team that can bring them down." Why do people think Wisconsin's the team that can win? Well, for one thing, Wisconsin played Kentucky last year. For once, Kentucky has some players back off their previous team. It's like Wisconsin has some players back off their previous team. And last year, in the Final Four, when they previously matched up last year, Wisconsin lost by one point. That gives Wisconsin a motivation. They want to avenge it. This team has great chemistry. They have two players on this team who, in my mind, are unguardable. Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker. 
Sam Decker has guys in, in his face, two or three guys, and he still makes shots over them. Same thing with Kaminsky. You can't guard him. He's like a, a miniature Dirk Nowitzki. If they make their shots, Wisconsin's in this game. This is going to be a close game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. No matter how good Kentucky is defensively, Wisconsin knows how to create shots. And they know how to defend. It's a great matchup. It's The only concern you'd have is even though Wisconsin does go about eight or nine deep, Kentucky can go even deeper. Would the depth be an issue for Wisconsin? It could be. If Wisconsin were to get into foul trouble, it could be. That's a key. That's something to watch out for. But otherwise, I'd expect them to be in this game to the end. The, Her- the, the go-to guys for Kentucky when they need a big shot all year have been the Harrison Twins. If they have to go in the paint, it's been Towns. So they do have go-to guys. We know who they are for Wisconsin. That's important because I think it's going to come down to the last minute, and you've got to identify who the go-to guys are, who's going to have that ball with a minute left in a close game. So you know who those players are going to be. So that's a good thing. Both teams have players there to do that. I think you're right. I think the winner of that game is more than likely going to win the national championship. Um, look, I said this before. If Kentucky's going to lose, I think they've got to lose this game. If they get in that championship game, knowing they only have one game and all hands on deck, that is a – I think it's almost like a coronation. And it doesn't matter how I respect Duke. I think, do I think Duke can beat Kentucky? Yeah, I do. But I think the idea that they would have to overcome a team that in a lot of ways is the first time all season that a lot of people are picking a team against them. Not necessarily the majority, but a lot of people. And this is a team that they have to respect. They have to take it seriously. Now, does that well, wait a second, Kentucky hasn't had to do that for much of this year. I still think that's not going to affect them. I think they're going to give it their A game. They're going to come out there with haymakers. They're going to come out there, and they're going to put on a heck of a show, and so is Wisconsin. I think if Kentucky's able to overcome that hurdle, that momentum, and then come into Monday night knowing they only have one game to complete a perfect season, they're not losing. That's how, that's how highly I think of them at this point. So winner of that game in my mind, and Wisconsin, I think, even though Duke beat them at, in, in Wisconsin – I think playing Wisconsin on a neutral floor, even though a lot of people are like, oh, they're tougher in Wisconsin, I think, and, and have, Wisconsin haven't played Duke already, I think makes a difference. I think, I mean, that would obviously to me be a closer game, but I think the fact that Wisconsin's team and Bo Ryan's so good at adjustments, I actually think Wisconsin could beat Duke as well. So I think the winner of that game probably gets enough momentum out of that game, either Wisconsin being the perfect Kentucky or. Kentucky on its way to perfection, overcoming this, the biggest hurdle they've had all season. Either way, I think whatever team comes out of that game has so much momentum, I don't think Duke can stop them, even though they're capable. So my prediction right now, and forget about what I had in my bracket previously, because I, I didn't stick to that last week when I made predictions, so I'm not going to now. I think in my mind, I think Duke beats Michigan State during the title game. You know, I, 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 I'm even more impressed with Kentucky now than I was two weeks ago. I think Wisconsin can do it, but I'm not going to pick them. I'm going to pick Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to be undefeated. That's what I think. I think Kentucky beats Wisconsin in a game that's probably less than five points. 
and I think they beat Duke on Monday night, and I think they win it all. So that's how highly I think of them at this point. I have never been so impressed with a John Carapari team. I've never been more impressed with a Kentucky team. But they're, they're good. And God bless them. They, they've earned, they've earned the, the praise they're getting. They've been a good group, and they've listened to them, and they don't trash talk. And, I, I hey, good for them. Um, before we move on, because that's really all I can say. I think we're going to have. I think we're going to have Kentucky, Wisconsin, a great game. Obviously, as I've hyped up, and you know, I think the other two games, if Kentucky wins, I'm, I think the championship game on Monday night, if Kentucky's in, it won't be much. Um, as far as competitive nature goes, um, I don't think Duke, Michigan State will be a competitive game at all. So, um, really, it's all about that Kentucky, Wisconsin, and that's going to sell you sell the Final Four. Unless Wisconsin wins, and then Wisconsin-Duke might be a close game on Monday night. But um, but that's all I got. That's really all you can really say. It should be – It should be. It's the, the Kentucky story is what makes it a really good Final Four because of all the pressure and the compelling drama of it. Otherwise, it would be a very bland kind of Final Four. But before we move on to wrestling, because I've said all I needed to say, Mike, do you have anything to add? I I already predicted it. I know. I just want to know if you had anything to add. Relax. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Relax. Here's what here here's what I have to add. You literally went on another ten minutes. Okay. Uh I thank you for your commentary. <laughs> One of us has to talk, Mike. We do have to fill some show time. People will feel cheated. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And despite it not being a dialogue, hilarious. I don't mean to be upset, because I'm not upset. I just want to point out. Fair enough. All right, so we move on to wrestling. And, uh, hmm. Now that we have gotten beyond that, what was supposed to be this 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 complete and other embarrassment that was supposed to be WrestleMania, uh, and somehow, some way, didn't become an embarrassment, which I still don't know how that happened. Uh, because Triple H saved the show, except for his own match. Pretty much. And it's funny because if you had asked me a week ago if I if we were going to sit there and say that that was a, a pretty at least a decent WrestleMania, I would have said you were f- pretty much insane. Uh, it had one of the no, worst builds. No, 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 no. You would say that they were insane. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because Sami Zayn wrestles for WWE. Or if you are a One Direction fan, it'd be just very sad. So, Brian, I don't know why you are not feeling very sad. Uh, oh, maybe I don't care. I don't know. Um, here, here's the thing. Had one of the worst builds. It didn't have a great card. 
And yet, aside from maybe a match or two, it wasn't bad. And it had one of the best endings that I think any of us can remember because it's never been done, catching in the middle of a match. And it had this, the, 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 the drama of whether they'll actually be stupid enough to put the title on Roman Reigns and the drama of what, what the hell Brock was going to do to Roman Reigns and then him bleeding and everything else. And, of course, the drama of whether Rollins would actually be successful in his cash, especially with Brock Lesnar out there. It, it was just a dramatic, dramatic moment, which uh, I don't even think my co-host saw that coming. Did you, Mike? Uh, nobody saw that coming. And I would imagine neither since the man. <laughs> 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 I don't think he saw that coming either. Um, and by the way, one of our wrestling fans had sent me something. I think it's it's kind of it is amusing. They said that has to be. It, 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 we all know Seth Rollins is in incredible shape. He does CrossFit and everything, right? We all know that. Yeah. But despite the fact that he's in incredible shape, even he looked a little winded having to run down that ramp for his cash in. Uh, like, yeah. That is a long rant to go down so, that quick. So let's, let's not judge Cena so much for running down the ramp and being extremely winded uh, because everybody was winded. Everybody was winded except for two people, maybe three. Randy Orton, The Undertaker, and Bray Wyatt. And that's because they moved as slow as humanly possible. Like, I understand The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt moving slow, but Randy Orton is just Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doesn't make any sense, but it happens anyway. First of all, um, not first of all, really, it was a great moment. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's it, it's, it's funny because you hear a lot of people, oh, Roman Reigns earned their respect. Roman Reigns, you know, had a great performance in that match and, you know, and ended up being a good match. It wasn't necessarily a good match. It just was compelling because of all the unpredictable qualities of it. Yeah. What, go ahead, Mike. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's it was a, it was a match in the sense that, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam was a match. It happened in theory. <laughs> it happened in theory. Uh, people still love that match, Cena versus Lesnar, because they love Cena getting squashed, and they probably get off to it, and that's all well and good. But to say that it was a good match, is you, you, that's terrible. You don't really no wrestling. That was just 16 German suplexes and three F5s. At least Roman Reigns actually defended himself. And the thing is this. Uh, a lot of people... I, I, I respect Roman Reigns a little bit more after watching that match. Because the dude survived. <laughs> he took three F5s and about ten suplexes. Various suplexes. 
And he still found a way to not end up concussed in a hospital. That's that, that's that's the long and the short. <laughs> he found a way to not end up concussed in a hospital. He fought back. He got some really good shots in on Brock. And put himself in a position where, on paper, in theory, he could have won the match. But the thing about Brock Lesnar is, there is no way he was going to stay down for pretty for anybody, really. Not no. at that point. <laughs> no. So running that cash in was the only thing they could have done. There is some talk, and I'm not sure if you've seen it up today, about the fact that they think that um, Vince... Um, um, is the reason why there was blood in the mask that he allowed Brock Lesnar to blade. <laughs> They're saying, somebody said, no, 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 I'm kidding not. This is a story that's gone out today that uh, Roman Reigns was given a blade by, like, the ring, the referee or the doctor or something, and he handed it to Lesnar, before, and then Lesnar cut his head before he hit the ring post. That's that's the theory. That's the story that's gotten around the dirt sheets today. Is that Brock Lesnar waited in the match? I don't. I. I do you doubt that? Or <laughs> because I certainly don't think that's what happened. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, Roman Reigns did not. He did not hand the blade to Brock Lesnar. Honestly, if Roman Reigns handed the blade to Brock Lesnar, <laughs> that blade would have probably ended up in Roman Reigns' head. Because Brock was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Well, thanks, German suplex blade. So. Uh, no, I mean, Roman Reigns legitimately busted Brock Lesnar open a few times. See, here's the thing. Remember a couple of years ago on um, Raw when Triple H attacked Brock Lesnar and he threw him into the ring post and he got busted open on Raw? Yeah. Brock has a tendency of, 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 of this kind of thing happening. He doesn't really protect himself because he's still in fight mode. When he's in fight mode, he just, he don't care. He doesn't think like a wrestler. He thinks like an MMA fighter. So he's not really protecting himself when he's being tossed into ring posts and, and stuff. So if you watch that match back, you see his head actually hit the post. And his reaction oh, Ro- afterwards is get, telling. Go ahead. And not, and not only that, Roman Reigns uh, deliberately, deliberately, made sure that he went in head first to that post. Right. Uh that in a way that was Brock's receipt for um well I guess the previous ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess that that's the only way I could put it. I will say this, from the time of that to the end, like the moment when Roman was like, you know, Superman punching him a couple times and spearing him and that from the time he you know, gets tossed into the ring post on. That was a heck of a 
few minutes, like right up to the cash end. It was a, it was a really, even though you could tell there it wasn't like booked or anything, like it wasn't all organized and such. It still came off really well. Uh, like you actually yeah. saw for a minute Reigns was winning that thing. And uh, honestly, if Reigns instead of going for another Superman punch, he probably should have gone for the spear. Right. Uh, he wasn't able to put him down uh, after the first one, but he probably should have gone for another spear. Yeah. And let and, and especially since uh, you know Reigns was under some impression that he was winning. Because <laughs> it, it was it was one of those things that got out that um yeah. Uh, Reigns was allegedly supposed to win. Win. Brock Lesnar doesn't care. <laughs> That's, there's, there's your backstage scoop that, that I guess Meltzer will report on at some point. Have you seen, Have did you see the gif of like Brock when, you know how he's got Seth Rollins on his back for the F5 and he turns around and Reigns spears him? And then Rollins curve stomps Reigns and wins the match. Have you seen the gif of like when Brock takes the spear? It's hilarious because you can tell he doesn't know that's coming. Yeah, like, Brock, Brock. All Brock thought was, "Oh, good, an opportunity to give uh, Mr. Rollins here a receipt for uh, the Royal Rumble." Mm-hmm. I, uh, Mr. Mr. Rollins, enjoy your concussion. So. For those of you who don't like Roman Reigns and like Seth Rollins, you need to respect Roman Reigns a bit because he quite literally saved Seth Rollins' life. <laughs> if he he literally saved Seth Rollins and then he put him over. And it's true. Rollins did have a better year than Reigns. Rollins probably did deserve to be in that position. Rollins also has nude pictures of him on the internet. <laughs> and I'm pretty <laughs> sure his junk is holding a little briefcase because he was, in fact, Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, and that's something Justin is hoping is on the internet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is a nice bookend because you think about last year's WrestleMania, it bookended the year of Daniel Bryan, and this year is just kind of bookended the year of Seth Rollins. Yes, and and starting on Raw, it bookended the uh, the very chicken, no-guts uh, championship reign of Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, yep. Hey, so if it keeps him over. Book, it's time to book Roman Reigns. Yeah. Um, you know, so much is made of the main event because that was what was supposed to be disastrous, but there are other things, too. I think... You, it, you know, it's gonna, it, it, I don't think he's getting enough credit, and he should. Bray Wyatt, you know, the stories that got up before WrestleMania that he sprained his ankle pretty bad, so much so that he was in a cast uh, until right before his match with Undertaker, and that's kind of why the Triple H, Stephanie, Ronda, Rock segment went on as long. They wanted to give him as much time. Um, in addition, they tried to make it as dark as possible, too, but that was not going to happen. They wanted the Undertaker, Wyatt entrances in the dark. But, hey, when you have it on the West Coast, what are you going to do? Um, but Bray Wyatt went out there, 
And, you know, like, yeah, they put they they put that steel step spot in there just to kind of like, okay, if he's gonna th- that way, if he limps, people just think it's because he ran into the steel steps. But he put on him and Undertaker. We all thought it was gonna get like, be a short match. It wasn't. It was what twenty minutes. Uh, wow. they got about fifteen. Yeah, it ended up being longer and more competitive and, and a much better match than we could have thought. And he even did the spider walk. Um which I didn't think he would do. And I was looking forward to that spot. I didn't, as soon as he sprained his leg, I was like, oh, there's no way. He still did it. And it, it was the, that was the moment I that was the moment I was expect, uh, hoping for in the match because I thought it would be the moment of the match, and it was. They put out a really good match given the circumstances. So I, both of them deserve props. And Undertaker were great. I know Mike loved that match. <laughs> uh, honestly, it was probably my favorite match in the show. That, unlike Taker, unlike, uh, excuse me, Triple H Sting, was a story match done correctly. Um, and, God, I mean, the, the rumors got out, I mean, the situation got out that Bray Wyatt had sprained his ankle, he was going to cast, he was carted off. They didn't know if he was going to be there. They saw that they had a backup plan. Yeah. It got out in some sources, they had a backup plan. And their backup plan back there was uh, rooting heavily for Bray Wyatt not to be able to go, fella, because that's his dream match. Uh, However, it kind of worked out better that it was Bray Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt went out there, and you could tell he was limping. During his entrance, which was awesome, it would have been better at night, he was actively limping. Uh, but he went out there and he wrestled the match like a champ. He and during you could tell there were times when he was in legit pain, but he still tried to hit all of his spots. And maybe the fact that it got less time kind of helped the match out a little bit because Bray Wyatt is not known for doing long matches. This probably would have been the first one he's done since Dana Bryan. Right. Uh, so it was probably for the best that it didn't get a ton of time. Although, on the Undertaker's perspective, um, he probably wanted more time to build a little bit better uh, of a story, mm-hmm. which is the whole point. Because that was a story match. Undertaker was supposed to look weak. He he probably wasn't supposed to get all that offense in early. He got the offense in to show that hey, you know, he, he still he could still do some of it. But the uncertainty for brought from the Brock Lesnar loss kind of set in, and as the match goes along, he gets he begins regaining his confidence. The the mystical Undertaker powers, you know, leading up to the crescendo of the tombstone. The second tombstone, I guess, it was going to be, and and that would have ended the match, right? So, it Undertaker would have benefited from more time. Bray Wyatt benefited from less time, so it's one of those kind of terrible things. But in, in essence, there was a good medium. It was a great story match. It was well told. It was well told. Undertaker's still at the top of his game, and Bray Wyatt 
proved a lot of things tonight. That he can, he can go, and he's a tough SOB. He is extremely tough, uh, and he you know it was the biggest match of his life, and he brought it. If not, we would have had Undertaker Sheamus, and that would have been fun too. But um, good match, really good match. I love Probably the end- my favorite match. Oh yeah. Probably my favorite match of the night. That, I mean, that entrance was great, though, with the scarecrow. And as he walked by, he animated him. That was a clever... And you said, like you said, the entrance would have looked amazing at night. Like, that would have been... But... Um, yeah, the Ronda Rousey rocks. The Triple H Stephanie thing was cool and everything. It went on too long. It kind of hurt it, the fact it went on so long. But it, it, did, it was pretty cool. Um, which leads me to Triple H Sting... Which was, it's funny, the one thing that we were all looking for, that was the match everybody was looking for and thought was going to be the one bright spot, ended up being the low point. And, look, I'm not going to get into booking and creative and all that. I'm going to read that out of it. But, my God. I mean, even if there's a creative reason for it and a booking reason for it and all this other stuff, that was so overbooked. And before that, it wasn't bad. Like, Triple H and Sting weren't bad. It was slow. It was methodical. But I think we all expected that. But, wow, once you start introducing the action and NWO, I mean, it made for a great moment and great nostalgia, but, my God. And then it ends up getting awkward at the end with the handshake. Like, that was just, oh, and obviously you were mad. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of the people were mad. Well, here's the thing. It, that match is probably going to be the most controversial match of this year's WrestleMania. Probably one of the most controversial matches in all of WrestleMania. And how bad it really was. And look, it was going to, always going to be slow. That was fine. It's just, once it got to the overbooked thing, there's where your split happened. At one hand, it's like, oh, this is DX versus the NWO. This is so awesome versus what the hell are you thinking? Obviously, the ca- I'm not even saying casual is a bad thing, or nostalgic is a bad thing, because hell, if you like the DX or NWO thing, that, that's cool. That's on you. You got something out of that. You got what they were trying to go for. Oh, it's the end of that era. WWE versus WCW. Triple H finally kept, puts the cap on the war by beating Sting. But on the other hand, that was Sting's first match and first WrestleMania match. And if your end game is Sting versus The Undertaker, you need Sting to win matches. And you're not going to have him wrestle a bunch of matches. He, he's a special attraction guy now. He needed to go over Triple H. He, if you wanted to have him run that, that handshake at the end, that would have been all good. That's fine. But that was, that was only okay if Sting won. Putting the final cap on that. Reuniting, coming in at the end, saying, "Oh, the NWO and DX are all right. Sting, Sting is victorious." 
Then you come out and have come kind of come out have them come out the next night if you didn't want to do the the live thing you could have done the network. Well, you know I, I beat Triple H at WrestleMania. Uh, now I'm moving on to a, a a bigger target, and you know I'll take whatever they they throw my way because now it's like Sting's in limbo. He got his shot, and he lost. Mm-hmm. It's quite literally, where do we go from here? I I think the booking decision was brain dead. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it. And I think I think and I think about seven times out of ten, anybody else would not have done that. They would have run Triple H losing this thing, which is what should have happened. Right. But I agree. No, I agree. Was, and I, and honestly. It was overbooked. It was crap. The spectacle kind of wore off the moment DX showed up. Because then you got the reveal, like, oh, it's no disqualification. When the hell was that announced? Yeah, no, but there was no build-up to that at all. Like, yeah, when the hell was there? And it was like, oh, middle of match, no DQ. Well, you got to tell us these things ahead of time so we know what to kind of expect cheer for, to kind of get excited for. Oh, look, we knew there was going to be a sledgehammer versus a baseball bat thing. But at least, if you, it's going to be no DQ, announce it not during the match at WrestleMania. Right. So it, it, that match is just a big, big mess. Right. It could have been the most special match on the card. But it was a big, big mess. And don't even get us started on the entrances. Oh, uh, Terminator Triple H versus Robocop Samurai Sting. Well, I actually think, but it was all right. Things was just weird. Like, I never would have expected that kind of entrance. I mean, it was cool, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like it's, other than the Sting uh, paint, didn't seem, or mask, it didn't seem like it suits Sting. Like, to me. But Triple H was just over the top, but that's him, so. Outside of what we just mentioned, um, I mean, the ladder match was the ladder match. They had some cool spots, predictable outcome. Um, Cena Rusev was predictable, although I thought anticlimactic with the finish. That should have been a better built finish for Rusev's first loss, but... Um, and yeah, I do. I do get what people are saying about Cena coming off like the heel because he, you know, kind of allowed Rusev to knock a woman off the apron. But then again, that's accidental, so it's not like he did it on purpose. But anyway, um, I do see why people are kind of hooking to that. Orton Rollins was great and had a great ending with the RKO. That was just amazing. Um. Steve's match wasn't bad either. They got some good time. Uh, the concert was stupid, a waste of time. And then the pre-show, the tag match actually surprisingly was entertaining. With the right people going over. On uh, the, the 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 battle royal was Andre the Giant battle royal was great until Big Show won. And I understand Big Show, Andre the Giant, the comparisons. I understand that. But, boy, that was, you know, you had Ryback in there who did put on a good showing. I, I don't care so much that Tommy got eliminated. People are like, oh, he should put up a better showing. Uh, 
whatever. I, I that's all right. But you know, Ryback, you know, had a good showing. Ryback should have been it, it, Ryback should have either won or Mizdow. And then you get this big moment with Mizdow. Imagine if you had had Ryback eliminate Big Show and Kane, and then at the same time Ryback gets eliminated too. And you have Miz and Mizdow, and there's the last two, and you and you allow that face off to happen. That would have made for an even better moment. Because what ruined that moment for me was you have Big Show sitting in the corner. You just know what's about to happen. It's like, all right, so none of these guys are going to be able to hang with Big Show. So why bother? It was it just kind of ruined the moment for me. Yeah, it was great and all, and they let Mizdow put up a fight. And so you kind of thought for a minute that it might happen. But, you know, that that was kind of a downer. But it, it had a good Miz, Mizdow moment out of it. So those are kind of my impressions about the rest of it. Mike, you have anything to add? Uh, while I'm not super happy about Big Show winning the Battle Royal, uh, it, it makes sense, and we got it out of the way, so next year, uh, he doesn't win. <laughs> so, yes, Big Show wins. They they kind of set it up all match. Oh, Big Show's never won. Oh, he's finished second. Oh, it's like, don't telegraph the finish. Because we all had hope that Ryback or Mizdow would win. And look, if this puts Ryback over, then great. Because that's the guy. Hey, that was the one guy in the main event they reacted to so positively that WWE should push him immediately. <laughs> they can't have feed me more. Orton got this. Orton got a. He got a rea- good reaction, but Ryback's reaction was huge. Reigns, of course, got booed out of the building. Big Show and Kane got the please retire chance. And Rollins is Rollins. Rollins was we want Lesnar. Oh, great. <laughs> Don't chance for his executioner, please, guys. Uh But, yeah, I, mean, I don't mind. I mean, Rusev, look. Diva managers, female managers have gotten knocked off of aprons inadvertently since Hogan was running around as champion. It happens. I mean, look, sensational Sherry, God God rest her soul, God bless her, one of the greatest managers of all time. She takes that bump how many times during her career? Several. She's a one of the toughest women out there. She's one of the toughest people in the locker room. Sherry would do that all the time. She she didn't care. You think Lana cared that much? No. We're, with that, we're making a out of a mohel for. Mm-hmm. And she took off the shoes. Everyone was like, why did she take off the shoes? Well, it makes sense. She, she had the heels on. She was two broken ankles. And right. can't do her move and can't go back to do the movie. There you right. go. Problem solved. Um and I feel like they're gonna put her back with Rusev anyway. Um, but I, I look, I don't have an issue with that match. Cena I knew Cena was gonna win. He busted out some new stuff. Rusev looks strong. And Cena's gonna do some stuff with the US title. That's that's all right. He already had a really good match with Dean Ambrose on Raw. That should have been a no contest. 
but, you know, it wasn't bad. Um, it was actually really good. But I don't have a problem with that. Busted out a springboard Stone Cold Stunner that looked perfect. That was awesome. And if Randy Orton's moment didn't already happen earlier in the show, which, by the way, I bet they're really happy it happened now, Randy Orton beating Rollins clean. Um, And then that Cena moment would have been like, oh, my God, what did he just do? It's just that Orton countered Rollins' curb stomp to an RKO, which was amazing. That was a fantastically phenomenal like RKO. Probably one of his best. Easily one of his best. It was great. Uh, and I liked that match, too. I liked Orton Rollins. I think the Divas match got a lot of time. wasn't bad. Uh, it didn't get a lot of time, but it wasn't bad. Right, Divas went over. Uh, my one issue is that the crowd on Monday was... They thought they were awesome, and then they chanted stuff in the Divas match that probably sent sent back, uh, like, respect about a year. Mm-hmm. The things that they were chanting during that Divas match were despicable and awful. And look, I like crowd chants. I like, uh, and and some crowd chants are, are great. Some are terrible. Some are annoying as hell. Uh, what the crowd was chanting during the Divas, at the mm-hmm. Divas. All of the Divas, faces, heels, doesn't matter. What they were chanting during, at those Divas during a really good Divas tag match was despicable and disgusting, and it revealed themselves to kind of be like the stereotypical wrestling fan. Mom's Basement terrible kind of terrible kind of like stereotype don't be right. that be above that treat everybody with a bit of respect especially the women in the ring who are busting their asses putting on a 15 minute divas wrestling match for everybody's entertainment don't who cares who they're sleeping with most of them in the ring were married <laughs> That's the thing. Most of them in the ring were married. Who cares? Get over it. Right. Worry about the match. If you think Bree and, and Nikki suck, they sense that they suck. Who cares who they're sucking? That's none of your business. It's none of my business. It's their business and it's their partner's business. End of discussion. That was disgusting, and that crowd needs to feel ashamed for what they were chanting during that match. And then they were chanting, we are awesome at the end. No. After that chant, you are not awesome. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. But they, but those, those divas busted their asses two nights in a row. Uh, and a special... special uh, 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 shout to the uh, the Hideo Itami moment in the Battle Royal. That was cool. I wish they gave him more of a moment, though. I wish they let him last a little longer, but Hideo Itami was great. He was great. 
But WrestleMania in general, final thoughts. WrestleMania in general was, except with the exception of Sting Triple H, was probably the best one they've had in years. Probably the best they've had in years. It was great from almost start to finish. Concert's a waste of time. Always was. Uh, Sting Triple H, overbooked nonsense. Everything else, really, really well done. Great matches. Everybody worked hard. Good stuff. Uh, just to end this, um, I agree. You know, I, 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 I don't think I noticed what they were chanting until I, I heard about it after the fact. But you're right. That, and here's my issue. Over the last... How many years? It, it, it's only in the last few years that they it, they made a big deal out of the the crowd after WrestleMania. Oh, oh I, obviously the Raw after WrestleMania has always been a big deal, but it's only in the last few years where they've emphasized the crowd. Like, oh yeah, we always know we're going to get a good crowd, and and in the last maybe three years, it's kind of gotten out of hand, where it's just about the crowd getting itself over and not just cheering or enjoying the show. Like, oh, well, how can we get attention for ourselves? That's a problem. You're not there to get attention for yourselves. You're there to cheer your favorite people or, you know, to react to things that are going on. You're not there to just get yourself over. And that's – and, I, and I, it's almost like these crowds – we know that – these crowds plan this now. Like, they're diehard wrestling fans. They're on the internet. They plan it now. Every year, the night, morning after WrestleMania, they're like, okay, but we're going to go up there tonight to Raw, and we're going to make a spectacle of ourselves. We'll get a big group of people, and we're going to do that. That's what they do. You've seen that the last couple of years. That's what they do. And and it's, it's, it's unfair to the talent. It's unfair to the people that are there to enjoy the show and have paid their, their money as well. It's just not fair. So I, I I don't I it is offensive and what they did chant during that ma- the divas match was offensive and it, they should be ashamed it's, it's it's atrocious behavior it really really is and, I, it, and look last night's show wasn't WrestleMania I thought was fantastic other uh, than like you, the things you mentioned and last night I thought was a pretty good Raw I thought the the problem was most of the good stuff happened in the first two hours which is unusual usually it's the end of the show that's better. You know, and they kind of had the anticlimactic finish with the expected result of Reigns winning and all that stuff. But I didn't think it was a bad Raw. We had a couple of debuts. We had Neville and the Lucha Dragons and, um, you know, the return of Sheamus and all that. I mean, there was there was some good things last night. So hopefully they've turned the corner. Maybe WrestleMania is the start of something. Maybe they turned the corner. Hopefully they did. Because, you know... For most of last year, it was not fun. So, we'll see. We will see. Uh, before we wrap up, Mike, you have anything left to add? Uh, I forgot to put that on mute instead of, uh, you know, speaker mute. <laughs> so, you probably got some uh, uh, double Brian, and for that, I'm very sorry. It's like twice the rambling. Oh. Without the fun. 
but no, I, I really have nothing else to add. Well done, WrestleMania, guys. Well done. Except for Sting and, uh, and Triple H, and I have a feeling that that wasn't because of Sting and Triple H. Mm. So much. Right. All right. So, okay. That's all we have, then. We did we did WrestleMania in the aftermath. We did college basketball and NCAA tournament, so we're done. So we will wind down, as always. Just because the show is over does not mean your interactions and contributions to our show have to stop. You can continue to send in feedback, uh, questions about the show and show scheduling, topic ideas, and breaking news items related to sports, entertainment, and wrestling. Um, then you want to make sure that we cover um, just general questions or comments. Any of those things, you can send us via email, Facebook, and Twitter. You can email us at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. And again, that's my email as well as the shows. And please put in the subject line of email some idea what the email is about, if it's feedback or a reaction to something one of us said on the show, or if it's a topic or breaking news, topic idea or breaking news. Just label it, label it, give us some idea of what it is just to help us out. We're keeping things organized. We do appreciate it. You can also follow us and tweet us at ITSpotlightBG. Again, it's at ITSpotlightBG. That's my Twitter handle as well as the shows. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag ITSpotlight. Again, it's hashtag ITSpotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. You can also find our fan page on Facebook by searching for us using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our fan page, like our page and go ahead and post whatever you like to post, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or email. If you post or send it, I assure you, Jeff Tech and myself will see it. We take turns checking them all, Facebook, Twitter, email, we check them all. Even if we don't reply back or use, acknowledge, or mention whatever you post or send on the show, please keep in mind, please keep in mind we can't possibly reply back to everyone or use, mention, or post or, or acknowledge everything that's sent in or posted. So just be assured that if you post or send something, we have seen it. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest show information, especially as it relates to uh, show scheduling. Otherwise, the next best way to get information about our show is on our main show page here on TalkToYou.com, where anytime I schedule shows, you'll have access to in that information. Whenever I schedule a show, a countdown clock appears in the top right-hand corner, countdown to the next show, and an upcoming episode listing appears above the episode archive at the bottom of the page, which will list the date, time, episode number, and you'll get a full episode description for the next upcoming episode, episode description available if you click on the little I next to the listing. And then you'll know we're definitely having a show, know what it's about, all that good stuff. So you want to check our show page regularly, um, especially Monday through Friday, and especially on usual show days like Tuesdays and Thursdays, particularly at night when we usually have our shows. Just quick, keep going on the, the show page, keep hitting refresh, and if you see the, the upcoming episode listing and the countdown clock, you'll know we're having a show, and then you'll have all the information about it. Also on our main show page here on TalkShoe.com, you have access to all the episodes since our move to TalkShoe. They're available in the episode archive at the bottom of the page in order from most recent to the oldest, labeled with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions. Again, episode descriptions you get if you click on the little I next to each episode. And also our most recent episode available in the most recent episode box in the top right-hand corner of the page. Just click on the play icon, and the episode will play for you. So feel free to utilize our TalkShoe.com main show page for whatever needs you have. And, again, you can find that on TalkShoe by searching for us using the full title of our show in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. So make sure to check out our main show page here on TalkShoe.com if need be. You can also check us out on our second home, Libsyn.com. Again, that's Libsyn.com. Search us with the full title of our show in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our show page over there, scroll down, and you'll find all of our most recent episodes in order from most recent, the most recent date to the oldest. We have dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience. So, 
If you're interested in some of our more recent episodes, head over there, check them out, click on the episode you want, and it will play for you. So feel free to go check us out on our second home, Libsyn.com. Again, that's Libsyn.com. You can also find us on our. You can also check out some of our older episodes on our old home, BlogTalkRadio.com. Again, it's BlogTalkRadio.com. Search for us with the full title of our show in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our old show page, scroll down and you'll find all 31 of our original episodes. The first 31 episodes ever of our show are on there in order from the most recent date to the oldest, favorite with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience. So if you're interested in any of those episodes, either because you want to listen to them again for nostalgic reasons or you never listen to them at all, if you are interested in any of them, head over to blogtalkradio.com to check them out. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com. You can also check us out on iTunes, Mike. Search for In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner, then go to podcast, sign us there, subscribe, download, and just generally enjoy us there. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight. Thank you, Jeff Tech. I want to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you, Mike. Time for bed. Let's go. Thank myself for another great show. Pat myself on the back, and thank all of you for your continued support and contributions to the show. Thank you so much for listening and for all that you do. Um, to the film elitists, again, we will acknowledge your challenge. Just give us some time. Um, I'll update you all on some of the upcoming shows that we're going to be doing, the NCAA show, MLB preview, all that good stuff as we get more information. The next couple shows, we'll be unveiling those dates of those shows to you. Otherwise, our next show will be this coming Thursday, also my birthday segment, whatever I'm going to do, birthday celebration show, whatever I'm going to do, I'll, I'll obviously make an announcement on that, either the next show or next Tuesday. So, um, But yeah, otherwise, our next show is on Thursday, this coming Thursday night, it will be our entertainment show back at its in its, uh, its normal night, normal time. We'll do our next edition of the Box Office Beat, the return of the In the Spotlight TV and Film Picks of the Week. We have a lot of entertainment stuff to get to that we've been putting off over the last few weeks, some news items, some topics that we have to discuss, and then, of course, any uh, current entertainment news that's come out of late or this past week or some that might come out between now and Thursday if need be, or if any of you want us to, we'll discuss it. Um, so we'll give you some entertainment news discussion and entertainment topic discussion, too, on Thursday. So an all-entertainment show coming at you this Thursday. That is our next show. Until then, have a great rest of your night, a great Wednesday, and a great Thursday. See you back here this coming Thursday night, our first show of April, April 2nd, at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, broadcasting live here on Talk Show. Until then, have a good night, everybody.